0: It's the Boxed Out Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Harry Wirth, and as always, I'm joined by Jack McDonald.
1: Here we are, everybody. Let's kick into it.
0: A bit of an unexpected one this evening, and some big basketball news has dropped today. We woke up to um, news that the Brooklyn Nets coach Steve Nash had been fired six games into the season. Crazy. We discussed the Brooklyn Nets a little bit during episode three and determined that we thought they were pretty cooked, but this is a whole new level. It's pretty bad, isn't it, Jack?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's unexpected just because when a team is performing this badly, the coach is normally first on the chopping block, but, uh, yeah, this early, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty hectic. Yeah,
0: it's it's wild. So we're gonna talk about that for a little bit to start off with before kicking into some other MBA stuff in the second half of the episode. But Jack wanted to just take us through the pit well, paint the picture for us of exactly how bad this is. So over to you.
1: Yeah, all right. Buckle in, ladies and gentlemen. This is a roller coaster. So, um, to anyone that follows the NBA, they would know that the Nets have had a bit of a rocky past, um, especially with their two stars, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on their team. This season, they're currently sitting on two wins and six losses, which gets them into 13th place in the East. Not good. And that is only just the start of the embarrassment. So I'm going to lay out a little timeline of uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's fun times at the Nets. Um, And just a disclaimer, this does not include on-court performance or injuries or anything like that. This is strictly off-court dramas.
0: It's wild that we need a timeline of off-court dramas. (laughs) In the first place, it's...
1: Yeah, I know. It, this, this list is pretty long. So um, let's start it. So Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant signed with the Nets in the 2019 free agency and immediately became a predicted top-tier NBA team, obviously. Two very good players. Along with Kyrie and KD came a washed, overpaid DeAndre Jordan, who Kyrie and KD insisted to be signed with them. Popular coach and leader of the team through their dark years with no picks or big free agent signings, Kenny Atkinson, is fired through the first Kyrie and KD season to make way for Steve Nash. Nash is an ex-NBA legend, and was not on the Nets' radar during their coaching search, a hire driven by KD's insistence as they had a history on the Warriors, after Nash was signed. Kyrie claimed that they didn't need a coach and that he and KD could run things themselves. During the pandemic season, Kyrie took leave from the team for personal reasons. He was then later filmed at a birthday party breaking the NBA's health and safety protocols. Nobody from the Nets staff was notified by Kyrie of his intentions. Then the Nets traded future All-Star Jarrett Allen Karis LeVert, and three first-round draft picks, along with four first-round pick swaps for James Harden. Then, the New York mayor imposed a mandate on athletes requiring them to be vaccinated. Kyrie was not, and the team decided to sit him out for the first three months of the 2021 season, as it would be too disruptive to have him entering and exiting the lineup. A fairly reasonable decision, I would say. But that was grilled by Kyrie and KD. After those three months, Kyrie, still unvaccinated, came back as a part-time player in Nets away games. And within one year, the Nets traded away their expensive star James Harden for the perpetually injured, unavailable, limited and uninterested Ben Simmons. Harden was (laughs) reportedly sick of Kyrie's off-court antics and lack of greater understanding of team success. And therefore requested a trade who could blame him my god the nets refused to offer kyrie an exten- an extension on his contract last offseason however an extension agreement was made as the nets were worried about alienating kd days <laughs> after kyrie signed his extension kd then requested a trade to another team kd met with the nets owner giving him an ultimatum trade me or fire the coach and the general manager. (laughs) What a genius. Gosh. Shortly after, the Nets owner tweeted he was in full support of the Nets front office and their direction, which directly opposed KD. And then, out of the blue, two months before the season began, KD rescinded his trade request. That will definitely go down well later. This week, Kyrie, in another off-court controversy tweeted in support of a documentary that endorses anti-Semitic ideologies. In a following press conference, Kyrie doubled down on his promotion, saying, I am not going to stand down on anything I believe in. I'm only going to get stronger because I'm not alone. I have a whole army around me. Jesus, what a nut job. What an absolute nut job. And now the recent news that Harry was just speaking of yesterday nets coach steve nash was fired a reportedly mutual move from the front office and nash and again who can blame him for wanting to escape this cesspool within the day it was reported the nets will hire recently suspended celtics coach ime (laughs) yudoka for those who don't know yudoka was suspended by the celtics organization for one year a month before the season due to an improper relationship with a female subordinate on the Celtic staff. That's where we're sitting today. Um, bit of a list. I do not expect that to be the end of it all. What an absolute shambles.
0: It is an absolute clusterfuck. Let's be real. What is going on? Yeah, it's... it's- <laughs> KD can't make his mind up. Kyrie has is just an inciter of this kind of drama and he has been for a while now and to top it all off they thought it would be a good idea to bring in essentially a predator to be the coach i mean it's not confirmed yet but it's looking pretty likely we don't even know the details of what went on in boston yet really we know we know the basics but i think we should we should talk about email Udoka later and just circle back to the state of the nets
1: well yeah i mean i'm not going to be surprised if next they uh sign miles bridges to a contract to come in
0: yeah miles bridges the the man who bit his wife to a pulp over the offseason and photos were released showing just how brutal it was and no no nba team has signed him because of it as they rightfully should not have yep. but what, what's going on I mean okay Kyrie we've come to expect this sort of behaviour from him mm-hmm. it's a track record now Kevin Durant it's it's weird it's strange there's something upstairs there he's just never satisfied and he's never never going to take on the blame or responsibility for his actions himself First, firstly it's Draymond in Golden State or it's Russ in OKC then it was Harden was too fat Kyrie's not available now it's the coach and this is the guy that you wanted to be there. This is the guy that you worked with as a, I think Steve Nash was a shooting coach in Golden State. You wanted him to be there. He was your guy. And to publicly humiliate him in the off season, that's just, that's not good for relationships. It's not going to install confidence in Steve Nash for all the other players in the team. Because KD is supposed to be the guy in that team in that locker room he is supposed to be the voice in that locker room it's what he's paid for it's the responsibility that he wants and then he goes and does that it just does not make
1: sense i mean even if even if nash is a terrible coach you don't as kd is one of the most popular players in the nba you don't publicly announce that you want him fired it's ridiculous. It's just, it's completely throwing him under the bus. And not to mention, this job was Nash's first head coaching job. What a rough start he's gotten.
0: Yeah, I hope he's not deterred because for those that don't know, Steve Nash is, you know, one of the great point guards to ever play. He's a two time MVP and famously led the Phoenix Suns in the early um, 2000s. But he's not the biggest guy he's not the most athletic or the most explosive. How did he make a career? Out of basketball IQ, out of his brains, understanding the X's and the O's. And he's one of the better leaders there's ever been. But yeah, he's not the guy that's going to cuss you out or um, get all aggressive and up in your face. That's not his style. But he leads by example. And maybe the problem with him this year as a coach was that That was his style and they needed someone that was going to cuss you out because KD's not that guy. He's too passive. He's over in the corner, you know, focusing on his own own work. Kyrie's watching some YouTube video about the latest phase, fad that he's going to post or tweet about or whatever. And I think that maybe speaks to the exact hole that the Nets have in their team. Like they don't have that PJ Tucker or Andre Iguodala or Eudonis Haslam, those old tenured guys that are a positive voice, um, usually more effective when they play. I suppose Haslam's got that respect because he's been in Miami for 20 years. But it's how guys like PJ Tucker and Iggy and how Jared Dudley back in his day, like, it's how they had a career. It's how their career yeah. was prolonged by being that voice in the locker room. And if Katie and Kyrie can't be that guy, they need someone who does.
1: Yeah, it, I feel like it, part of it is KD has always been insecure ever since he w- went to Golden State, which personally I do think was the right move for him. Like, when you actually cast your mind back to that time in the NBA, the other options were, what, Boston or Washington. That wouldn't have worked Yeah, there worked was no cap well. space that year. Yeah, th- that so was he the big thing. gets to Golden State has you know, he plays well. He wins what, two chips there?
0: Yeah, two chips. Two Three chips years. there.
1: Living the dream, but gets absolutely roasted by the public and it's clearly something he's insecure about, is his legacy. And I think that combined with Kyrie's free thinking mindset <laughs> just turns it into this absolute shambles where everyone has an opinion but nobody wants to be the guy to do the dirty work or to you know sacrifice things for for the greater good it's um yeah i there's a lot to be worked on with this roster and i don't know if they're gonna go anywhere with Kyrie and kd talent is there a hundred percent the talent is there but no chemistry nothing there When you're
0: down six points in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, who's the one that's, you know, calming everyone, telling everybody it's going to be okay? They just don't have that presence. They don't have that presence from a believable voice. KD's the sort of guy, he's like, yo, pass me the ball, I'll get it done. But that's not helpful to the other guys on the court.
1: Mm.
0: And, yeah, it's a hole that needs to be plugged. Now, I think flicking back to the significance of this decision, why we've talked about it for as long as we have, is this, this has happened six games into the NBA season. They've, they've played their seventh game today and lost while they had an interim head coach. But the quickest ever coach firing in the history of the NBA was Mike Brown in 2012, five games into the season when he was fired from the lakers after a one and five start this firing is tied for the second quickest firing in history only two other coaches have been fired in the same amount of games in 1948 and 1977 (laughs) so so this this isn't happening every day you know this is this is wild (laughs) this is wild like Why didn't they put Steve Nash out of his misery in the off season when Katie didn't want him there? I mean, if I was Steve Nash, I wouldn't want to be there.
1: No. It's it's a shambles. You you'd want to be as far away as possible. If I like I feel bad for the guy with all of Kyrie's antics over the last two seasons about him, you know, refusing to get vaccinated but wanting wanting to play and then doing all this other stuff breaking team rules and you know it's it just must be such a distraction as a head coach where you know we're speaking about having that locker room presence steve nash was probably the guy that brought that Mm -hmm. it it must it must have just taken so much away from not only that leadership side but also the on-court product with just everything going on i mean you heard the list it's yeah i think it's long
0: that's a really good point you've just made there the locker room integrating someone that has as much of a role on the court as Kyrie does from on a game-to-game basis is really difficult to do you might play a game on a tuesday night and it goes the way the game goes You've got a travel, travel day the next day and you're playing on Thursday. At your film session, you want to look back at the game and learn and analyse how it's going. But if Kyrie wasn't playing on Tuesday and he was going to play on Thursday, you're talking about a completely different team, a completely different style of play. Players have different roles changing, you know, on a night-to-night basis. And that is just so hard to learn and build on over the course of a season. And it's just not setting anyone up for success. Um... I think that is an impact that as viewers, we wouldn't necessarily be aware of or not necessarily see. But in the locker room, it would be a major player. 100%.
1: And that's why in the first place, when those um, mandates were put in place in New York, the team decided instead of doing this whole in and out, night to night thing with Kyrie, that they were just going to sit him. They were going to cop it. They were going to wait it out, and then maybe in the playoffs, where you do really need that night-to-night production, and anything can happen in one game, then you bring him back. But like we saw, three months in, I think you know, ha- like a few players. I think on he the sat out for three injured. months. Yeah, he sat out for yeah. three
0: months, and then they just had no choice but to bring yeah, him back in. they and got just, desperate and just said to Steve Nash, "Deal with it." yeah sort it, sort it out deal with it um yeah it's yeah stitch up. i mean and that i think that's why we're so concerned about the Kawhi Leonard situation mm. because you know when t- when guys aren't traveling on road trips and all that you know you're missing out on team bonding you're missing out on going out for dinner film sessions practices everything it's you know you know like these nba guys they have one game every couple of days, or sometimes back-to-back, but that is, you know, a three-hour period in the evening. For the rest of the day, they've, they've either got alone time by themselves, or they're hanging out with each other, working on their game, working on their bodies, spending time with their teammates. And if you've got someone that is just constantly not there, the impacts would be huge.
1: Yeah, it's... I think it's sort of understated how much that off-court stuff... um how much it matters just a a quick thing on that i really hate it when when there's a championship ceremony and players are getting their rings and people get criticized for only playing like five minutes a game in the playoffs and it's like there's a whole other side to it where these players are involved so much more than we could ever think compared to their on-court production and that needs to be accounted for and obviously here it's all gone pear-shaped
0: yeah, I mean, you've got film sessions like we've been talking about, practices. That's why that's why someone like Rajon Rondo has been talked about as being so instrumental to the Lakers chip a couple of years ago. Even though, you know, he was playing fairly limited minutes. But it's because it, his role and his value went so far beyond just the on-court production.
1: Yeah, for sure. For now, sure.
0: Yeah, now moving to the Emo Yudoka piece of this, there's a bit of history here that I don't know how many people know about it. So Emo Yudoka was actually the coach, the assistant coach, sorry, of the Brooklyn Nets before he got his head coaching gig in Boston. So there's a bit of history there, but KD and Kyrie saying that they like Ema Yudoka today, it doesn't mean that they're going to like him in a couple of months' time. We've we've oh, seen that.
1: I can guarantee you they won't.
0: <laughs> but bringing a head coach with so much current drama around him into this situation, I'm I just don't know how it's going to play out. It's a storm, and like Jack mentioned, Ime had so it was it first came out that it was a um, consensual relationship with a subordinate. And, you know, initial reactions were kind of like a bit, bit mild on that, sort of didn't really know how to think. But the point was that it was a subordinate and it breached team culture. Then a couple of past NBA players spoke out being like, oh my goodness, I've just found out this new information. You wouldn't believe how bad it is. It's terrible. But what I'm sort of unsure about is like, it's bad enough for him to be suspended for a whole year. But it wasn't bad enough for him to be fired. So it, it that doesn't make sense in itself. And it's since come out that there were um, you know, inappropriate remarks made to this Celtic staffer for quite some time before the relationship began. Yeah. Um we don't actually know anything about those remarks yet, but I'm I'm sure it will come out um in the wake of this um potential signing.
1: Yeah. Um yeah uh, it's i don't know i i want to say something about sean marks Mm -hmm. um so sean marks is the general manager of the nets so he's in control of um like roster signings staff hirings all of that sort of stuff he's also a new zealander he is a kiwi he is a kiwi which is great he did such a good job inheriting this role um Jeez, we're going on a bit of a sidetrack here, but way, way back, maybe eight or ten years ago, the Nets were the laughing stock of the NBA, um, because they traded away all of their future picks for some aging stars and they've been in like a hole since since then. But uh marks came in and he turned the team around. Um, they had a great year where they made the playoffs with this mishmash of players and it was you know it was a really awesome thing to see a kiwi succeeding like that and we fast forward to now and it's a no-brainer to sign KD and Kyrie when you get the chance looking back when was that three years ago Mm -hmm. but now seeing some of the decisions he's making and i'm sure it's not just him but like is was there really no better option than the suspended coach yeah to hire i mean and even with the firing of steve Nash, like we've seen this
0: time and time again when a team is struggling the first person of that senior management group to go is the coach the general manager fires the coach and then if they're still struggling then the general manager gets fired so you know if the rest of this year goes poorly sean Marks will probably probably be packing his bags um as will hopefully rob palinka with the Lakers. Stop um, bringing up the
1: Lakers. <laughs> now <laughs> yeah, and that's um, that's when I get my call up to uh, run the Nets.
0: Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> now we'll put a bow on that for the moment. I think we'll we'll probably um, talk about the Nets again in coming days or weeks, just as we learn more, as we see how the team starts to play um, with their new coach, etc. But moving on now. We wanted to talk about some players that aren't really talked about. And some of these players are playing quietly really, really well. Some of these players are playing quite poorly. And so what I'm going to do is I've got a list and Jack hasn't seen the list. I'm going to mention players to Jack and he's going to tell me what he's seen, what he's heard, what he's watched, what he's read and how he thinks it's going. And then we'll talk about that in light of the cold hard numbers of how that player is performing. So we're starting off on a positive note. Oh, sorry, I've just ruined that, but <laughs> <laughs> Pascal Siakam. Pascal
1: Siakam. Um he must be playing well if you said that (laughs) no 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 um yeah i know he's been he's been doing very well um raptors they are they're they're up there in the standings right now they're currently in fourth in the east um and siakam is obviously the best player on that team um yeah i i haven't watched too much raptors so i can't say too much more than that yeah i uh, think
0: I think the key is, is that Pascal's moved to the centre position this year from power forward, and that's just opened things up for them. Um, he's averaging a career high in rebounds, 9.6 rebounds, up from 8.5. He's averaging a career high in points, 26.1, up from 22.6. His passing has increased by two assists per game, up to 7.5 assists. And he's shooting the ball really well from three, almost 40%, which, you know, Pascal's a guy that previously struggled from three. But this has just unlocked a whole new line, range of lineups for the Raptors, playing so many vers- versatile guys, um, and is going to be key to their success moving forward for sure.
1: Yeah. Siakam's a crazy development story. Like, he started off in the G League and um, started playing basketball very late in his, I think he was a teenager when he picked up basketball so it, yeah, it's a testament to the Raptors um, player development but also it's pretty crazy to see how well he's doing he, he, he always back in the day to me I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not comparing him to Giannis but he was a bit of a Giannis light player where he was um sort of a herky-jerky mover like um a bit unorthodox couldn't really shoot too well but was um a good driver and now they're putting the ball in his hands he's improved a lot with his ball handling and he can shoot now we're talking and i think he had the first triple double of the season if i'm uh, not mistaken there
0: yeah he's been he's been awesome now, moving on. Domantis Sabonis. What have we heard from the big fella? Uh,
1: not much. Not I'll much. That. He's yep, buried, buried that. away
0: in Sacramento. So, Mr. Sabonis was traded from Indiana to Sacramento last year. He played 46 games at Indiana last year and 15 with Sacramento. The brother is struggling.
1: Yeah big time i've i've seen that through sports betting <laughs> but uh, yeah i i have picked up on that and also i mean the kings aren't doing too well and his struggles are definitely a part of that
0: yeah i mean his points are down from just under 19 last year to 13 and a half so far he hasn't yet had a three-pointer his field goal percentage is down and his rebounds are down two rebounds a game so far. So he he is struggling. He's generally a pretty good passing big. Um, yet to see if this is because of how good De'Aaron Fox has been and some of their other players. But something to watch out for.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it stings so much more for the Kings with uh, Tyrese Halliburton, the player they traded away for Sabonis. Having the season of his life on his new team.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Now, moving to a player I know Jack loves. Um, we're heading to Orlando. Bowl Bowl.
1: Oh my goodness. Don't, <laughs> I, I don't like this guy. I'm just going to say it. I don't like this guy. He's... Are you kidding me? He's a Denver Nuggets legend. He's not a legend at all. It, okay. I keep getting people who know i'm a nuggets fan coming up to me saying oh man like why did you guys let go of Bol Bol? like look at him go like he's he's you know he, i don't i don't even know what he's doing are they starting him in well let me tell you what he right, is hold, doing. On. I, hold on hold on <laughs> okay all right he is only popular because of his build and because he has a good 2k card that is literally the only reason why. He came to the Nuggets. He was picked with a mid 40s pick, a second rounder, a, a pick that would normally not be anyone. But we took him as a high upside guy. Maybe he can be something. He's unique. He's different. Let's bring him in. Get him to Denver. I think in preseason he played small forward, which um, I think he's seven foot two. Is he? <laughs> yep yeah he's not a small forward but we played him there you know it was all fun you know this guy is he's so strange yeah he's so tall and he can shoot threes and he can block shots and all this stuff and then he rode the bench the whole time in denver and got traded but what you didn't see and as a nuggets fan i did see this was he was putting in no work at all there was there was so many calls throughout the season. Oh, why aren't you guys playing Bowl? Because Bol? he sucks. He absolutely <laughs> sucks, and he doesn't care about being better. All he cares about is his <laughs> gram. Literally, it's it's mind boggling that people think this guy's good because he's got a good two K card. I. <laughs> All yeah, right, I'm going to uh, tell you about Bowl. He's uh, <laughs> he's averaging 11 points per game. Wow.
0: Seven rebounds.
1: That's special.
0: Never before in his life had he averaged more than two and a half points. Possibly because his minutes have gone up from five minutes a game to 20 minutes a game.
1: That could be the reason.
0: Could be the reason. But what intrigues me the most is how big the magic starting lineup is. They're starting Wendell Carter Jr. at centre. Bol Bol at Powerford. Paolo Banquero at Smallford. Terrence Ross at shooting guard and Franz Wagner at point guard. That lineup start, is that is, is huge. Wagner at point guard. He's at point guard. That lineup <laughs> is huge. It's absolutely giant. It's it's so crazy to
1: watch. Damn. I know that the um the magic general manager loves his, his long lanky players, so I'm not really surprised there. But well I mean I am kinda surprised, but Yeah, that okay. That's crazy. Bol Bol will fit right in there. <laughs> exactly. All right, moving on.
0: Calden Johnson, San Antonio Spurs. Uh,
1: yeah, he's going pretty well from what I've seen. Um, I watched a fourth quarter of a Spurs game. That's um, all the all the torture I've submitted myself to with that team. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, he's, he's going well and he's probably their best player this season.
0: Yeah, it's not close. He's scoring twenty four points a game, up from seventeen. Four assists up from two. He's shooting the free, f- shooting the ball better from the free throw line, and he's hitting four threes a game at forty three percent. Damn. Yep. he's in his fourth year. He is someone to look out for, um, especially if the Spurs hold their spot. Um, at least as being somewhat competitive and that you know if they say in that top 10 range is someone that might get an all-star nod um if the positions are available
1: yeah the the team usa effect there
0: yeah a couple of years late but it is what it is all right brooke lopez
1: i know brooke lopez has been good because i was going to pick him up in fantasy basketball (laughs) um yeah. yeah, no. Another another guy that's that's playing better than expected. I think he missed a lot of time last year, mm-hmm. yep. and was almost forgotten about in a way. Um, and he's come out this season, sort of picked up where he's left off, right?
0: Not just picked up where he left off. He is playing better than he did, than when he was in Brooklyn when he was an All Star. He's not quite at the All Star num- numbers, but he's averaging. F- 15 points a game, which is the most since 2016-17. Six, 6.8 rebounds a game, most since 2015. 3.3 blocks, the most ever. Two and a half three-pointers, his most ever. This guy has completely transformed his game. And he is a perfect fit alongside Giannis.
1: Yeah, he's he's an unsung hero of that team, for sure.
0: Alright, now... Heading to Philadelphia, Tobias Harris.
1: Oh, not that guy. Nah. Um, My thing with Tobias Harris is, yes, he's overpaid, but he's always given you pretty decent production. He might not be worth his contract, but he's not a negative on the court. And I feel like this season that might have slipped up slightly.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still rebounding and assisting as he always has his point scoring is down from 17 to 13 so far which you know might be indicative of the philadelphia's seventy sixes struggles as a whole but i think the main thing from the eye test is that he just looks a little bit lost he doesn't really know where he fits on that on that team like he's not really the high energy dirty go get it guy but he's also not a knockdown three-point shooter or someone that gets amazing at creating off the dribble.
1: Yeah, he's definitely more suited to being, (laughs) and not that he ever will be on a successful team, but the one, like the best player or second best player on a team. And that's just because, like, I don't know, the way he operates. And we saw it when he used to play on the Clippers. He, He took a big leap that year. And I think that's that's what Philly was sort of after when they traded for him, but it's never really resulted properly.
0: Yeah, I suppose they don't actually need him to be a 20-point scorer at the moment with Embiid and Harden and Maxi. It's just interesting um, how lost he looks out there, especially someone that is supposed to bring you a certain standard of play from the perimeter. Yeah. Um. Now, Red Velvet, Kevin Herter.
1: Oh, he's been good he's been very good that's yeah that it's sort of a guy that any team can have um it's not helping uh, he's not helping the kings much in terms of winning right now but um as a productive dude i don't know if he's starting or coming off the bench yeah he's 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 starting he's starting he's hitting four threes a game can't complain with that
0: four threes a game 18 points up from 12 points last year the last couple of games he's exploded for 26 points five assists two rebounds and another game of 26 points seven rebounds three assists he has been huge but still finding his role who knows we yet to see it translate to winning like you said
1: yeah i d- didn't really expect him to to become that guy to be honest no
0: i mean we get to see if it's actually going to be in a winning team i suppose in atlanta um, they were winning a bit, but he definitely wasn't playing as big of a role. But, yep. yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. It's time that I give my first apology of the season to Shay Gilgis-Alexander. I know you've seen a bit of him. What do you reckon?
1: I'm in love with this guy. <laughs> i'm gonna be fully honest i've watched a fair bit of okc this year and this guy never ceases to amaze me he is one of the funnest players in the league to watch just the way the way he just gets his shot whenever he wants it and he's operating as this the number one guy on this team it's it's just so fun to watch him dominate um Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I I've just been watching more and more of him, and I know you're a big Shea fan, so that's rubbed off rubbed off on me a bit. And yeah, I've really taken notice of him this year, and I know he's right up around thirty points per game, which is
0: thirty one stunning. Thirty one points per game. seven assists, two and a half steals, and a block. But like you said, it's the way that he gets his points now. I was fortunate enough to see Shea in person during his rookie season in the Clippers, and what he has is just an innate feel for the game. The way he's just got control, he's a bigger guard so he can see the whole floor easily, and he sort of slips and slides his way through the paint a combination of hesitation moves that he looks like he's going to explode to the rim where he might pass and then next minute he's doing a little fadeaway pop shot or a one-legged explosive move um, finishing with either hand and he's just improving um, so much he's a great leader he has sick style off the court his pre-game fits are insane um, this guy is a stud
1: yeah we we love him um this might be bold but i would not be surprised if he's the best player on a very very good team in the future Mm -hmm. like conference finals type team he's just got a knack for scoring and he just keeps showing it it's i just like just sitting down and watching him operate in that fourth quarter versus the mavs the other day was absolutely insane he would he'd just get the ball at the top of the three and just somehow just wiggle his way into the lane would get right within you know a couple of meters of the basket and would either do a crazy english layup from the most ridiculous angle or just plant his feet and just drop it in little fadeaway. it was just every single time and Even if the defence knew it was coming, they couldn't stop it. Yeah,
0: he's just got the length to manoeuvre himself into such awkward positions and still finish with such control. Um, Yeah, love to see it, and I I take it back. I would not be surprised to see him be an All-Star this year, and I will be voting for him
1: yeah let's let's lead that let's yeah let's
0: do it the boxed out podcast campaign to make Shay just alexander a first time
1: all-star this year let's let's do it. it really rolls off the tongue doesn't it yes
0: it's quite easy to say <laughs> um all right marcus smart celtics point guard have you seen Ooh, anything from him this year he's the reigning no. defensive player of the year
1: i haven't seen a single thing about marcus smart not anything at all and That's bad signs to me. Yep, just as well.
0: He's averaging 9.5 points per game, down from 12. He is shooting 22% from three on over six attempts per game. But his assist to turnover ratio has tightened up a little bit. so So the ratio of number of assists to the number of turnovers he gets has improved, which is good. But I think the question really is... Is has Malcolm Brogdon, the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, negatively affected him?
1: Um, yeah. Well, it, it's another dude who's going to be playing his role, essentially. So, it can't be positive for his own numbers. In saying that, for the Celtics, although you would like him to be shooting a bit higher, higher of a percentage, but that's always who Marcus Smart has been. Mm-hmm for the celtics scoring is not something they're lacking yeah so for smart to be able to focus more on defense maybe that's a good thing for them in the long run um but a problem that the celtics have is they don't have a true point guard they don't have that dude that's gonna get them seven eight assists well i suppose that's
0: who brogdon's supposed to be right but uh, he is coming off the bench at the moment
1: yeah maybe one day i i think that's they're more sort of going the route of getting tatum to be that heliocentric guy Mm, that's gonna be everything as it should be
0: with someone as talented as tatum yeah um all right just a couple more clay thompson
1: oh he's been ass yeah he's been so bad i you know you know you're having a bad season when you get into an argument with another player and the first thing you go to is telling them how many rings you have (laughs) and that's what clay did to Devin booker who is uh yeah quite comfortably a better shooting guard than him at this point
0: yeah i mean last season clay thompson played 32 games in the previous two seasons he missed the whole thing back to back achilles and acl injuries but You would have hoped to have seen him regain at least some of his pre-injury form. But I mean, he's averaging 12 points a game, down from his career average of 20. His rebounds are down, so I suppose that speaks to his declining athleticism. But more importantly, he's shooting 34.6% from the field. And twenty eight point six percent from three so far. Now I don't expect that. I don't think those numbers are going to stick, but definitely a bit of regression there. I think that mm. is going to stick around. I mean, you'd expect it. I can't imagine what he's been through, and I'm not wanting to be slamming this guy, but I suppose the broader question is: is, is Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole? Are they the second and third best players on that team now?
1: uh definitely yes to that question Mm. um and just on that definitely not bagging clay thompson it's um pretty impressive that he's out there right now after two two potential career ending injuries back to back um but the thing that surprises me is i get if he has a lesser role because of the injury you know, recovery process and also he might just not be the guy after his injuries but typically you typically you see with a decreased role you have an increase in efficiency clearly that's not there yet maybe it's a rhythm thing yeah um, i
0: mean he's always been a rhythm guy
1: yeah but he's <laughs> it's never taken him much to get yeah, into no, his rhythm that is
0: that is true i think like, today against the miami heat He took a couple of fourth quarter shots that he probably shouldn't have. Like, maybe he could have taken those shots four or five years ago, but they were contested and he, I mean, a shooter's going to shoot, right? But, yeah, it's just, I'm not sure that's the best option for him right now. But, Mm. anyway, um, final one. Final player. I've got a couple on my list, but I'm selecting Mr. Gordon Hayward
1: mmm Gordon Hayward uh has he been good or bad I haven't watched much Hornets basketball this year however I would say bad and that is purely because uh yesterday I saw he scored 12 points at halftime and then proceeded to miss every single shot afterwards and finish (laughs) on 12 points
0: yeah I mean He's definitely not the Gordon Hayward of old, but he's averaging just under 19 so far, which isn't terrible. Just under 50% from the field. Um, they're playing without Lamelo. He's still contributing rebounds and assists. Um, I mean, P- PJ Washington has been going off for them at the moment. Yep. But Gordon is definitely looking like the most, the most stable option on that team he's the guy that's sort of directing traffic at the moment and all of that and i mean i'm just happy to see him out there i mean this is a guy another guy that's um suffered from injuries over the past couple of years
1: yeah i i remember last year when he um when he was obviously still playing for the hornets they've got lamello in. they've got uh miles bridges in um when Hayward was healthy last year, they were a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think they were over five hundred. Like they were right in there for a playoff spot. Um, and then Hayward only played what like thirty games that yeah, season. Maybe good. maybe not even that. And the team just completely fell off. I think that fall off was, you know, partly because of Hayward not being out there. He does provide. Um I don't know. Yes, yeah, like you're saying, stability. He's not he's not a negative on the court. Um But yeah, I think it's kinda hard to evaluate evaluate the Hornets with LaMelo out, and I think Rogier's missed a few games mm-hmm. now as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's gonna wrap us up. This has been a bit of a different segment, just talking about some random players that you probably wouldn't expect um, to hear spoken about, but it's been good. And make sure you like our podcasts, follow our um, feeds, follow our Instagram at BoxedOutPod, and thank you for listening.
1: Awesome. Thank you, everybody. See ya.